good morning everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and of course you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up we have to welcome back after quite a long time Margot MacDonald. Good morning Margot. Good morning Pam and good morning fellow garden lovers. Uh, lovely weather this morning to drive into. I had a bit of everything. <laughs> Fog, um, darkness. Sun when I got into Melbourne, but okay. it, and it was warm when I left, and then cooler when I got here. So that's a reverse of the norm. <laughs> anyway, yes, good I'll morning. Say, coming from Clinton. Yes. <laughs> very nice. Ah, oh, dearie me. Well, at least you know it wasn't raining, and at least you didn't have ice on the road. No, no ice, thank goodness. Yes, great. We also have to say a very good morning to Penny Woodward. Hi, Penny. Hi, Pam. Hi, listeners. It's lovely to be here again. It seems like months. but well, um, it, yeah. it has been a little yeah, while. It has, about three months. I yes, guess. that's yeah. right. So, yeah. yes, yeah. lots lots has happened. Well, yes, it's been a busy a busy Christmas and New Year, although it seems like a very long time ago now, And um, but lots happening in the garden. So I've got things in flower in my garden that, you know, I haven't seen flower so floriferously for years. Um, So all the salvias are just huge bushes now Mm. to the stage that everything around them is getting swamped. (laughs) (laughs) So I love salvias and I love them in the garden, but... They can, you know, they always seem to do either one thing or the other. Yes, right. They often get too big. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's partly my lack of um, care for them because I don't cut them back often enough. But, you know, yeah. Anyway, the garden's looking amazing, but it's still got full of weeds on one side because I haven't quite got to that side of the garden (laughs) yet. It sounds pretty normal. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I think that's what most gardeners would say. Uh, mine's a bit worse this year. But, uh, well, no one's get, looking. Penny. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah, that's why I never have an open garden. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse way, personally. I'd have to. Um, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, this is a beautiful Which segue. Which brings to Jeremy. me to, to Jeremy <laughs> Francis from Cloud Hill. Morning, Jeremy. Good morning. I don't Good morning, know Pam. How you cope with having the garden open all the time? Yes, you say that, and I'm thinking. Yes, yeah, so I guess yesterday morning with the we we. we we had drizzle all last night and um, following on from quite a bit of rain the previous day and I was dashing around first thing knocking the, the drizzle off everything because the, 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 this summer has just been extraordinary in the mm. Dandenongs and the growth has been phenomenal. It's mm. the strongest growth I've seen since a very wet summer of, uh, when was it, 2011 I think it was. Yes, right. And um, so I was dashing around knocking all the moisture off of everything and getting it off the path, otherwise no one, we'd have to issue machetes to people <laughs> <laughs> as they walk through. Oh. Shake all the foliage. Oh yes, yes. So I ended up absolutely drenched, but at least people could get around. But, the, but yes, the garden is just phenomenal. It's... it's um, I guess we went to a little bit more trouble with um, setting it up uh, this spring and uh, trying out all sorts of new plants and mm-hmm. hoping for the best. And we actually seem to have had the best. You know, I've, 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 I've actually had quite a few people from in the States and okay. uh, uh, walking around. And where do you come from? Oh, somewhere in outback New South Wales. And oh, gosh. We, we actually had Ian Maher um, visiting, uh, working on a sculpture a, a few days back. And uh, uh, he lives at Braidwood. And two fires. So one, one fire missed uh, his house by 150 metres oh, before the water bombers got to it. And then they had five weeks worrying about another fire. 
And uh, you know, he, he spent a week with us and could not believe it was still the same country. Yes. Green grass everywhere and yes. everything growing. Mm. Well, I think the dandenongs have been particularly uh, well watered this year, haven't they? It's just been extraordinary. Yeah. They've, 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 you know, every, every hot day has been followed immediately by heavy rain. And uh, rain every seven or eight, well, six or seven days, That's all the way incredible. through. Yeah, just an ideal summer, and you cannot believe what has happened to the rest of the country in the meantime. That's right. It's very I, hard to get your head around. I, yep. was, I was at the Garlic Festival yesterday, and my friend Trev, um, from, who lives in Sydney and is a garlic nut, um, he and his wife drove down from Sydney just because he was speaking at the Garlic Festival, and he said, Driving down, down from the Sydney, Hume. Not, no, not no. down the Hume, but not not right down the coast, but just inland from the coast. Okay. Right. Hours and hours and hours of burnt forest. <gasps> oh. So he just said, you know, he obviously read about it. Living in Sydney, he'd lived the smoke. Yes. He just had not quite realised the hugeness of what's yeah. been burnt. And yeah. it was only when they were driving, you know, you sort of expect to be driving through a burnt-out area, but not yeah. for hours and hours no. and hours. Oh, gosh. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, he just said it was really extraordinary. Yes. Well, 10 million Terrifying. hectares. So yeah, I know, but that's, that's when you actually but you sit there and... you can't equate that in yeah, your yeah, head, and, can and you, and to what it yes. visibly looks like. You can see it on like. maps, but, yes. you know, you, it's yeah. really hard to... And to actually be in the middle of it. And he said... Most of the stuff they were looking at was showing no sign of coming back because oh. of the intensity of the burning. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's much worse than other years. Yeah, yeah. The, the intensity. Yes, it's going to be much harder for the reforest. You know, reforestation. Yeah, I mean, will, will a lot of it will come back, but there will be some areas that have been burnt recently that have now been burnt again. Uh-huh. And That's right. Research is showing that they don't come back the second mm. or third time it happens. Mm. Yeah. It's um, because it's all happening too quickly. But even that layer of seeds on the ground yeah. that's been burnt because it was so hot that the soil's burnt. Well, the biology the of the soil has yeah, actually just, been oh, damaged. It's so, scary. Yes. It is, mm. yes. So um, how's Kyneton fared with rainfall? Very good. No, we've had sort of just enough, as, as Jeremy was saying, every so often, so we haven't even had to water yep. the gardens, really. Excellent. And uh, someone came along and said... The, your garden is rudely beautiful. So, you know, that's a, I thought that sort of sums it up. It's, it's lush and lovely and, you know, it's year five for my personal garden and it's just been such a lovely time. Yes. And, you know, you, you can't get enough. You have to walk out there early morning and after work and just mm-hmm. to look and catch everything, that's which right. you don't. But, yep, yep. Um, yeah, we've um, been lucky enough to have a fellow come and knock on our door right. from Chilton. In northern uh, Victoria, northern, yes, he's he's a honey producer. Right. I don't know how many bees he's got, but a, a lot. Yep. And uh, he knocked on the door and said, "Would there be any chance that we could park some beehives on your property?" Oh, go for it. That'd be delightful. Yep. Anyway, so that was arranged, and he said, "Look, I'll come in the night because that's when the bees are asleep, and we can move them." And we had no idea what was going to be and he we went out and chose a spot he said you won't hear me i'll do it in the night anyway we saw this truck parked there in the morning right about a week later and a big truck and it had a um a trailer on the back with a, a, a tractor sort of thing okay 140 hives arrived gosh <laughs> on your place <laughs> yeah and that's only one of his lot he's done several trips looking for places right. and parked them yes and when he eventually oh he, he started unloading at 2 a.m Finished at five, slept in his cabin till about eleven the next day. Goodness! And I texted him, said, "Do you want breakfast, shower, whatever?" He said, "No, no, no, it's all right." But he said, 
the bees are happy, the girls are happy, they're already <laughs> collecting pollen from the forest because the messmate trees are flowering in right, the forest yes, next to us. Yes. He said, oh, this is great, and I'll be back in a week or two to check the hives and check okay. my girls. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and off we went. Well, you're <laughs> going to have great pollination this year. Oh, the bees are everywhere. I mean, we already had a lot of bees, yes. but now they're mm. everywhere. Wow, yeah. yes. But mm. that's another aspect. We, you, you forget that, that wiping out of half of our forests, of yeah. course, it's... It's food for all the wildlife, including the insects. Yeah. So the, there's a lot of bee people coming around now looking for mm. you know, yes. places for their bees. It's absolutely phenomenal how much pollen uh, the uh, trees will produce. And we, mm. uh, when, when I was farming, we had a beekeeper who'd leave a truckload of bees on our farm. Um, and the beekeepers are amazing. I mean, they really know their stuff. Oh, yes. And the first thing, I remember the first conversation I had with this gentleman who was pointing out that what I thought was one species of a particular eucalypt was in fact two. Oh. <laughs> I thought I was, like, I was completely nuts. <laughs> no, you've got wandoos and you've got powder barks, he said. <laughs> they look the same, but they flower at a different time of the year. Haven't you noticed that? Oh. <laughs> And he was after the powder bucks. And we, we, I guess we, we had a, about two, three hundred powder bucks scattered over a couple of paddocks. Mm-hmm. And those powder bucks were good for, well, a, a truckload of bees. Yeah. And uh, he would collect his honey in 44-gallon drums, quite a few of them. Okay. And, he, he, and at the end of it, after several weeks, he'd actually just hand us a um, couple of 20-litre uh, buckets of honey. 20 litres? <laughs> we were hoping to get maybe one litre eventually. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. We, we, no, no way you can go through that much honey. No. So we were giving it away to all and sundry. Yes. Now, the, the other interesting thing is when you've got that many bees, you have to think about water because they mm. go through a lot of water. Yes, yes. well, I said and, that. And, They're and a he, fair way away from the dam. You said, oh, no, they'll find it. And they'll, oh, yeah. they'll fly three kilometres every yep. day to look yep, for they, stuff. They, they mm. go, yeah, that's right. They go quite a fair distance. Yeah. At a fair old speed. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes, in our case, we had to worry about the, um, uh, the bees um, grabbing all the water from the sheep troughs and making it impossible for the sheep to, <laughs> to oh, water. Oh, yes, of course. Just so, around yeah, the edges, So he would put out his own troughs so the sheep could still drink. Mm. Well, we, uh, don't ha- we don't have any animals, but we've uh, got yeah. kangaroos drinking from it. We've got flocks of ducks, and apparently the beekeeper said that the, the ducks work out where there's not going to be any shooting, you know, because it's duck shooting season, yes. and they all come <laughs> to those areas. Right. And, we, yeah, we've, we've even seen um, hedgehogs, well, hedgehogs, echidnas come down and, yeah. and drink, drink, and, you know, it's yeah, just... Right. <laughs> and wallabies, it's just it's fascinating, really. Wow. Mm. No, I, I still cannot get over how much... Honey, how much pollen? Um, well, a few hundred trees will produce. Mm. Yeah. It's, 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 but I, I saw it year after year after year. Truckloads of the stuff, oh, literal, well, literally truckloads. We've got a friend in Kyneton who's a keen um, veggie and fruit grower, and just a normal backyard. But she's you know planted an orchard and all that sort of thing. And her father built a one beehive. It was finished in September. And she's now collected nine litres of honey Gosh. from one beehive. So if you just quantify that to what, the, what, <laughs> what it was to leave it, yeah. I think 44-gallon drums is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. Oh, well, there's some amazing stories emerging. Indeed. Yeah, how Indeed. fascinating. Mm. Okay, um, I'm going to get to some community announcements. Um, first up, a reminder that there are... Um, 
several uh, gardens, in fact, four gardens open uh, today down at Port C and Sorrento. Uh, now, <coughs> they're all uh, within less than 10 minutes' drive of each other, and you can get a, a bulk $30 ticket available, which will give you access to all four of the gardens. Um, or, of course, you could, if you only want to go to one or two, you can still um, uh, pay individually at the gate for each one. But uh, just a reminder, the, um, these gardens, we have uh, Shipway Lodge, uh, which is at Greenwood Avenue in Sorrento. There's Point King Road uh, at 17 Point King Road in Sorrento. Then two in Portsea, West End um, is at 57 Duffy Street in Portsea and 100 Back Beach Road, uh, which of course is at 100 Back Beach Road in Portsea. So they're open 10 o'clock this morning, running through until 4.30 this afternoon. Uh, as I mentioned, you can uh, pay a $30 uh, entry for all four gardens um, or uh, you can pay individually. All the gardens are $8 each, except for Shipway Lodge, which is $10. And, uh, of course, children under 18 are free. And there'll be jams and cake stall at Back Beach Road uh, Garden. All right. Now, also a reminder, we were talking about this last uh, Sunday. Uh, there is a very special exhibition on at the moment. It's, uh, it's all about uh, 65,000 years of traditional plant use and 250 years of science because it's, uh, it's celebrating um, the expedition and the plant collections of Banks and Solander. Uh, so um, what we have on display is uh, six of the actual original specimens that uh, Banks collected and 31 framed images of plants collected by Banks and Solander, all in 1770. Now, uh, this is taking place at Maroondah Federation Estate Gallery. It's at 32 Greenwood Avenue in Ringwood. Now, uh, it's open Monday to Friday, 9 till 5, Saturday, 12 till 4, closed Sundays and public holidays, and entry is free for this one. Now, uh, these, of course, have uh, come out. Uh, they won't be on display um, at any other time. Uh, so it's a wonderful opportunity to go along and have a look uh, at this exhibition. And there will also be two lectures given on uh, Saturday afternoon of the 28th of March uh, by Professor Tim Entwistle and Bruce Pascoe. And they will also take place um, at the Maroondah Federation Estate Gallery. So uh, you can uh, see more details by going onto the website. And uh, the website, um, it's being actually organised by, um, by Australian Plant Society Victoria. So if you go to, if you just type in Australian Plant uh, Society Victoria, the website will come up and uh, you'll be able to get all the details. But uh, a really special uh, exhibition that's on at the moment. Okay, uh, now also coming up, uh, Australian Garden History Society have got a lecture and walk, and this is in two parts this time. They're 
on the Wednesday evening there is a lecture and then on uh, which is 19th of February at 6 o'clock uh, and then on the Sunday there's a walking tour related to the lecture on the 23rd of February at 2 o'clock. Now it's entitled The Lost Sculptures of Fitzroy Gardens. It's a lecture and walk being given by uh, Dr Monique Weber and uh, it's uh, talking all about the sculptures that uh, used to belong in the Fitzroy Gardens. Uh, now the Wednesday evening lecture starts at 6.30, refreshments at 6 o'clock. The venue is Mueller Hall National Herbarium, uh, that's in Birdwood Avenue in South Yarra. And uh, the Sunday walking tour starting at, well you meet at 1.30, it's, the tour actually starts at 2 and you meet in front of the conservatory by the Diana sculpture in the Fitzroy Gardens. So um, payment includes uh, both the lecture and the walk. Uh, there's no single session fee for attending only the walk or the lecture. Now tickets, uh, if you're a member of the, uh, uh, of the Australian Garden History Society group, uh, $20, non-members $25, students $10, Bookings online at uh, trybooking.com. Uh, if you'd like more information, you can contact Robin, and uh, her details are Rob, sorry, Robin Robbins. So it's R O B Y N R O B I N S two. So Robin Robbins two at gmail.com, or her phone number zero four one eight three five three. Five two eight. That's zero four one eight three five three five two eight. Now, uh, also uh, coming up. Um, firstly, there is a, a community tomato event, and Penny, you might know all about this: the Great Tomato Taste Off, which is taking place in Montmorency. No, you don't know anything <laughs> no. about it. No, didn't know there that one. Okay, well <laughs> that's, that's interesting first. because. Uh, because this has come through, uh, through from Karen Sutherland. Yeah, well, Karen's probably involved in it. Yes, so if, I'd if say she's, if she's involved. involved in it, then I, I go off and do something You go else. off. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yes. Okay. So um, it's Montmorency Food Swap um, is uh, taking the great tomato taste off on the road and joining up with Lower Plenty Primary School Annual School Fair. So the date is Saturday the 29th of February. The venue is Lower Plenty Primary School Fair. That's at 126 uh, Main Road, Lower Plenty. Uh, the school fair starts at 2 and runs through till 7pm. Now tastings start at 3.30. Uh, the winners will be announced at 5 o'clock uh, by Banyuls Mayor, Alison Champion. And uh, growers, so the idea is that if you're a grower of tomatoes, you bring along some tomatoes. You have to register your tomatoes for the taste testing at 3 o'clock for 3.30 tasting. Now, the conditions of entry are that it must be locally grown and you must know the variety type. You need to provide a minimum of three to four large tomatoes or ten mini tomatoes for sampling. And if you need more information, you can call Kate. Her number is 0158 uh, 0028. Uh, and uh, uh, yes, sounds like a really, really interesting uh, event. 
Now, also, um, Karen has just reminded me that she will be running uh, a couple of events. Uh, firstly, she has a walk, uh, talk, taste of native edibles. She's running this at Saturday, the 22nd of February, 2 till 4.30. This is at her own garden, 22 Lock and Vars Street, Pasco Vale South. And this is where you get to know a range of exciting native food plants like the beautiful lemon myrtle and uh, learn how easy it is to grow them in an urban garden and use them in your everyday cooking. And uh, the other one is Summer Food Forest Walk Talk Taste. And this is taking place the next day, Sunday 23rd of February, 10 a.m. through to 1 p.m. And this is where you can see and taste uh, the babaco uh, fruit, find out more on how to grow these and other interesting permaculture garden perennial food plants. Uh, and again, that's taking place at Karen's Garden, uh, 22 Lock and Vast Street, Pasco Vale South. Now, you need to book tickets for both of these. The easiest way to do that is to um, go to uh, Karen's website, and the website is www.edibleedendesign, all one word, dot com. And you can book, uh, you scroll down, and you'll find upcoming classes and events, and you can book uh, for those ones. Now, uh, also coming up, and this is the last one I'll mention for the moment, um, uh, Heronswood have got uh, their Homegrown Harvest Festival coming up on the uh, Saturday the 29th of February and Sunday the 1st of March, 9 till 5 on both days. Um, Diggers Club members and children under 16 are free. Visitors, $10. And there'll be uh, kitchen garden tours at 10 o'clock. Heronswood Garden Tours, 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Heirloom Tomato Taste Test, 11 till 2. Mini Workshop on Tips and Tricks to Growing garden Garlic at 11.30. Mini Workshop Berries for Your Backyard at 1.30. Mini Workshop on Cut Flowers, Garden to Vase. Um, you can have lunch on the pool lawn. There'll be Children's Garden Activities, Sunday only, between 11 and 2 and you can visit the Heronswood Gallery. So that's all taking place on um, Saturday and Sunday, 29th of February and 1st of March, 9 through till 5. And, of course, Heronswood is at 105 Latrobe Parade, Dramana. Um, Ger sorry, I'm just going to yeah, sure. an event that Jeremy's yeah, got coming I've up got in the garden. Yeah, too. that's fine. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah, so next one, Jeremy, you've got it coming up, Evergreen Ensemble. Yeah, we have, yes, yes, we have the Evergreen Ensemble uh, next Saturday. Um, yes, I, I was doing some research into this program uh, just a few days ago. It's, it's been puzzling me all the way through, actually. The, the title of this performance by the Evergreen Ensemble is Tree of Strings, which kind yes, of means... That, yeah, that, which that kind of means, me too. Yeah, yeah, which puzzled me all the way through. Yeah. But I... I got to grips with it okay. uh, and I, I know exactly what they're on about now so the Evergreen Ensemble to start from the word go they're, they're a, a period instrument group uh, for musicians all serious musicians but um, um, they're, they're part of the Pinchgut Opera group Okay. Um, so they're off to Sydney pretty often and, and performing at the Sydney Opera House that sort of thing um, but uh, next Saturday they're performing uh, Baroque 
and popular Irish music, so music from about 200, 300 years ago that you would have heard both in the fairgrounds of Ireland and also in the manor houses of Ireland. Wow. Um, so, it, it's, so it's all good fun, really. Oh, yes. <laughs> but played by serious musicians and um, tree of strings. Where on earth does that come from? Well, it comes from the tradition of raggedy trees. So there's a quite, kind of a horticultural element mm. to this. Um, and um, so what on earth is a raggedy tree? Well, uh, there's, there's a number of these rather magical things scattered through Ireland, not all that many. But there are certain trees which are associated with um, sacred wells. With, with they, they go back to, uh, they're very ancient, they're probably, almost certainly pre-Christian. Right. And they're trees on which, uh, as you're driving around, you'll see one of these because they jump out from the landscape because they're covered in rags and ribbons and strings and whatever. Right. And the so story- they just don't have an untidy habit growing <laughs> <No>. habit. <laughs> Not the tree human itself. Intervention. Yeah, generally, generally they're a hawthorn, uh, a long-lived tree, right. or a yew. Yes. And um, the travellers uh, that um, the, the the people of no fixed abode travelling around Ireland, living in the uh, uh, moving from one district to another in Ireland, um, would. Um, Leave a um, uh, it was it was like a kind of a secret message from uh, from one person to another, but also there was a kind of magical element to it in that uh, um, if you had someone far away that you lost touch with, then you'd place a, um, some memento on one of these trees. And the message will get through to them. Oh. You're feeling for them. Okay. Before postal deliveries. <laughs> Telegraphs. <laughs> when I was in um, Dublin a few years ago, there's actually one in the Botanic Gardens there uh-huh. that with all these ribbons right. tied yes. on it. And it may be a, a somewhat invented demonstration type of tree. Yes. But sure. with the sure. sign that went with it said that it was also for... Asking for help, more generally, yes, so yes. for and, help and, and as well. Got, so, okay. Well, I was researching sort of this. Wishes. I, yeah, I mentioned yeah. that Ian Maher was staying with us, and I was actually doing this research while Ian was with us. Now, Ian, is, uh, his um, um, background is Scottish, and he said, oh, yeah, there's a similar tradition in Scotland. Mm. It's okay. a Celtic tradition. Right. Uh, but in Scotland, it's slightly different. And what you were saying, yes, there in, in Scotland, it's all to do with health. And when mm. you when you are um, uh, uh, someone in the family ill, you go to one of these trees and, and place a, uh, a ribbon or whatever on one of these trees, right. uh, and somehow that would that would help. <laughs> that would, it would help. make you feel better. <laughs> yeah, so the the um, the good forces of the world would mm. come to your aid. Right. Okay. Um, now there's not all that many of these trees. But anyway, I, 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 researching them and Googling them and, and finding images, I, I came to grips with it. Went into the digger shop, and if anyone's been into the digger shop, um, we, we've had Fran working in the digger shop for ages. She is Irish. I mentioned Regley Trace to her, and she sort of looked at me a bit strangely. Uh, then said, uh, well, we had one on our farm in Ireland, she said, oh. in a very broad Irish accent. <laughs> I could hardly believe it. Uh, anyway, it's quite true. Um, uh, her brother still runs the family farm. It's mm-hmm. been in the family for generations. Um, and there's a Hawthorne hedge uh, running around the boundary mm-hmm. against one of the local roads. And in the middle of the Hawthorne hedge, there's a big old Hawthorne 
which is the raggedy tree. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's suddenly there's connections everywhere. Mm, but yeah. it took me about three months to come to grips with all this. Right. So anyway, going back to what's happening next Saturday, we, we, we have uh, the Evergreen Ensemble coming and performing Irish music. Tree of Strings and, and with references to all sorts of Irish traditions and folk tales and stories. And <laughs> so it should be great fun. Mm. Uh, we're, uh, it's one of our twilight evening recitals, so it's uh, the, the usual thing. We keep the gates open after five o'clock and people come along with their picnics and the show runs from... Well, the weather's looking good on Saturday, um, so most probably it'll run from about half past six to about half past eight. Sounds delightful. Yeah. Now, I've got a question for you, Jeremy. Have you decorated one of the trees near where the concert's <laughs> going to be with rags and things? We did. We he did. has. I've seen pretty, a picture. Pretty, oh, pretty, okay. pretty ribbons in our case. Valerie went dashing down to the local $2 shop and oh. came back with pretty ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have, a, at the end of our slightly raggedy hornbeam hedge, which we chopped back to Billio uh, over the last couple of years and it's, and it's coming back rather nicely actually but uh, so with a little notice explaining what on earth this thing is Great. so that's that's happening on Saturday fantastic okay yeah. so how can people book Jeremy um, try booking go to our website there's heaps of information there and it uh, connects straight through to try booking and uh, two weeks after that we, we have 12th night with Act, so that's the final mm. of our uh, twilight uh, events and yep. so that's the long week, long long weekend in March right and the Saturday and Sunday and um, so either anyone interested in Twelfth Night have you got some kids studying Shakespeare and <laughs> uh, and um, and um, uh, at school uh, they they need to see something in the flesh. Um, well, Ozak put That's on a, a pretty good. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 know their Shakespeare. Ozak, they always get the words right. And, <laughs> <laughs> and there's something as Bruce really says, we we get the words right. Yeah. <laughs> there's something really special about seeing Shakespeare out in the open, too. I've, I've, been, I've seen it in the Botanic Gardens. Yeah, yeah. Times, and, so and it is really fabulous. Yeah, and this is Ozak, so and that, that, that's exact. They really they were the ones who more. Le- yeah, they they. Yeah. Um, uh, they're the ones who uh, started off down at Lockhart Gorge, putting on yep. um, the yes. Tempest. And, yep. uh, and, yes, what a setting mm. for us. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. no, absolutely amazing. That's excellent. Um, I should mention Roger Elliott has rung in on the off-air line to say that uh, the exhibition I was talking about... Um, at uh, the Maroondah Federation Estate Gallery. Unfortunately, Bruce Pascoe is no longer able to give that second lecture on the 28th of March, but they uh, have uh, invited another Indigenous speaker to take his place. So there will still be two lectures on the 28th. Um, Professor Tim Entwistle will still be speaking, plus he'll be followed by another Indigenous um, can speaker. Can I just mention that the reason Bruce is not going to be there is because his area has, where he lives has yep. been completely burnt out oh. and oh. he is staying in his community to work in his community. He's just decided he can't keep going away yeah. and doing yes. these talks. Yes. He needs to stay at home mm. um, helping totally the community understood. getting back on their feet yes. again. So um, there's a really good reason for, oh. for why he's not doing it. Couldn't have a better yeah. reason. It's just unfortunate that that reason is... Yeah, sometimes we, you know, when you're doing a lot of talks, you just have to make decisions. That, you do. That, you know, you sure. some other, th- other priorities become more important. And Absolutely. I think, you know, he's made absolutely the right 
decision to stay yep. in his community. Definitely. Now, you've got a couple of events. I have. Sorry, this is going on <laughs> no, no, for so long, fine. but I just realised. what we're here um, for. On the 22nd of February, I'll be talking about Herbs for Cooking, Medicine and Pleasure as part of the Eltham Sustainability Festival. It'll be actually quite nice to go back to talking about herbs. Yes. So I spent a lot of time talking about tomatoes and garlic, so it'll just be nice to go back to my core thing. Um, that's from 10.30 until 12 and it's at the Eltham Library so you'll you'll find it online if you look or it's up on my Facebook page um, and then I've also got sorry, I just need to go to a slightly different spot um, no, wrong one scheduled posts so these will come up on my Facebook page but on the 21st of February I'm talking at the Western Port Garden Club in the Belnaring Hall lovely group of gardening people um, and again about herbs for cooking medicine and pleasure so that's local it's just up the road which makes it nice and easy it does Um, and on the 1st of March on um, Friday the 13th I'm talking to the Campbell Morning Garden Club about garlic so how to grow and harvest and cure and all the rest of it but then the other one is on the 9th of March when I'll be at Diggers and I'm actually doing an in-depth a two-hour in-depth workshop on garlic from 10 until 12 at Heronswood. Okay. So those are my, before I come in next, yes. those, are the, those are the talks that I'm doing. But they will all go up on my Facebook page over the next couple of weeks. Okay. So if you, if you want to check it out, just have a look at the Facebook page. How apt to be talking about garlic on Friday the 13th. Indeed. <laughs> I did think that. <laughs> I couldn't yes. help but think that. Yes, yeah. I just say yes, yes to these things and, and then sort of it clicks. <laughs> <laughs> they creep up very they fast, do. don't they? They do indeed. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so. it's high time we opened up our lines for talkback. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, do give us a call. The number is 94190155. We have Penny Woodward, Margot McDonald and Jeremy Francis in the studio this morning. We'd love to hear from you. So that number again, 94190155. Now, Penny, we did have a query come in last week, which yeah, we didn't have time I, I to don't handle. don't think I have a good answer for it, unfortunately. Okay. But um, Kerry from Port Melbourne wanted to know, will coffee grounds be good for hydrangeas and will this turn the flowers blue? I have never heard of coffee grounds turning. Coffee grounds are slightly acidic, um, and if you use them over a long period, you can make the soil more acid, but I doubt mm. very much that there's have the enough of a change yes. um, to change the colour of hydrangeas. Yes. Um, coffee grounds are, are good in the garden generally, but just don't put too much in one spot. Sprinkle them round. Yeah, mm. sprinkle them round. I actually put them all in my worm farm because my, yeah, the worms, yeah, love them, my worms love them. I'm mm. sure they move faster when you put coffee grounds <laughs> in there. So, yeah. They move with a zing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got the biggest, healthiest, you know, most active worms I've ever seen anywhere, and I'm sure it's all to do with the coffee grounds. Probably is. <laughs> do, you, do you give them coffee grounds after 10 in the evening, or you just uh, let them no, sleep? Well, I don't worry about them sleeping. That's up to them. They don't have to eat them. I don't force them. <laughs> I hope they don't go That's through withdrawal symptoms. No, Margot's, Margot's question is because I said to her that I never drink coffee at night because it keeps me awake. Yes. If I need to keep working, I drink rosemary tea, which is a really good um, stimulant without mm. keeping keeping you awake. So, yeah. um, yes, that's what <laughs> she was having me go at me about. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, well, as I said, uh, if you'd like to join us this morning, we're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. Do give us a call. The number is 94190155. 
Uh, Margot, let's start with a couple of the plants you brought in this morning. Hmm, where to start? Um, lots and of just colour. A, just a reminder to listeners, yes. if you want to have a look at these, these are up on the 3CR Gardening Show Facebook page. Yep. Excellent. Terrific. Um, as you know, we're on tank water, uh, so we don't really water the garden, so everything we plant has to survive without yep. watering. We are lucky this year, and it's all very lush because we've had some rainfall. But um, things are just going gangbusters, so it's really good. Um, and I never, ever thought that I would plant agapanthus in my garden. But I came across this one. It's uh, agapanthus gilfoil, named after William Gilfoil. Um, and it is a spectacular one. You know all about it too, don't you, Jeremy? <laughs> yes. And um, it's, we planted it along a driveway, and it's just magnificent. Now it's sort of year five, it's you know, really hitting mm. its straps. Um, and it ha- comes up with black stems, great big huge heads of very, very dark violet purple. So it's not this sort of insipid blue. I meant to bring in an insipid blue one, a common <laughs> I, one. I actually quite like the blue of the common. Yeah, on mass it's lovely. But when you see this yeah. on mass, you yeah. just go, wow. So and, I'm assuming yeah. that this is one of the crosses that doesn't so- sell yeah. yeah, it's sterile. Place. Yeah. So it's sterile. sterile. Yeah. So it's fine to grow because... Down in our area, we you don't yes. put agapanthus in. Because yeah, and they, I knew that this would come up with you because yeah. you're in yeah. that area. But yeah. up our way, the agapanthus get hit by frost, yeah. and they are deciduous, yeah. and they very rarely ever yeah. become mm. a problem. Yeah. So um, We've got them everywhere throughout yeah. Eltham. Um, yeah. They're just um, really yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. And, and people the, don't and remember to chop the seed look, head just, generally. If they just chopped off the seed head. Yeah, it wouldn't you know, be a problem. It wouldn't be a the problem at all. Enjoyed them yes, before exactly. they set Exactly. Yeah. But it's not a problem up our way, so I'm enjoying these. <laughs> sort of, but, I used to think but, they were nana plants, but, but these now. ones are guilt-free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there are some really nice dwarf ones as well. And, yes, and yes. most of them yeah. do not have the problem of self seeding. Yeah, so you just need to check. There's three, four. Two or three species which are diabolical. Yes. There are, there is the occasional hybrid we could be careful of as well, but there are, most of the hybrids are pretty infertile. And Guilfoyle, I've, I've grown that for a long time, never seen a seedling. Mm. No, same here. But it's also, um, the foliage is quite upright. It doesn't sort of spread out sideways too much. Okay. So it's quite controllable, but it fla- it's flowering its head off, like mm. masses of it. And just looking out over the, the um, Malmesbury Reservoir, we've got a sort of a view. And the other night with the, the storms, you know, the, the sky mm. was purply grey. And these black stems with the heads was just magic. So, yeah, I just had to bring one in and talk about that. Um, and, um, yes, a very dry garden. So I've been trialling over the years what cacti and succulents will work. Okay. For us, because I've had some losses with very bad frost years. I can imagine. Yeah, and uh, so it's all trial and error still. But yep. um, a couple of the agaves are doing well, and I found a magnificent yucca that's got uh, like a bluey grey foliage and very fine leaves. Yucca whiplay, blue as blue. And mm. it's as rare as hen's teeth, but I've got three of them, and they, oh, wow. they flowered this year for the first time. Massive, great big stalks of white. So, you know, that's been terrific. And then someone gave me, on the other hand, um, a little tiny, like a golf ball-sized cactus, which I planted, and it's now flowering its head off. I think we counted 12 of these white flowers. They're also up on Facebook. 
they're and big, they're, they're, they're only, big, aren't they? For, they you know, they're amazing. Well, well yeah. you couldn't see the the, the mm. um, size of the cactus at all. So I put two photos up, one showing all the flowers, right, and the other one sort of it's a bit shady, but you can just make out this round ball where the flowers are coming out, and the bees are just loving it. Yeah, but the. That's this, really spectacular. Oh, they are. They're amazing. Uh, but the flowers only last 24 hours, yep. and that's it. You've yep. done your thing. You dash. Okay. <laughs> but it's, there's something magical about really ephemeral flowers that, you know, yeah. that you, you've got to be there to see them. Yeah. You know? And um, I think that's really special. Yeah, so that's why I think walking around your garden is every day is mm. good because mm. there's always surprises coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, today is actually uh, a very special morning because, uh, as most of our listeners will realise, each year 3CR uh, runs a special subscriber drive. It's an annual event and um, this is the best way of uh, supporting the station to become um, a subscriber, a listener subscriber. Now... uh, the gardening show, of course, uh, is putting out um, also um, an invitation for our listeners. If you're not already a subscriber, if you are, um, don't forget you need to renew your subscription and now's the time. If you've never uh, become a, a listener subscriber, um, we uh, would really recommend that you uh, you think about doing that uh, because, as I said, it's a wonderful way of supporting the station. Uh, you do... Uh, it gives you the opportunity to and the right to actually be involved in the uh, the democratic processes in 3CR, to have your say, to actually have a vote. Um, you will receive uh, copies of the Cram Guide at regular intervals throughout the year and uh, you'll be supporting the 3CR Gardening Show and uh, the station as a whole in a very tangible way. Now, uh, the, uh, the cost to become a subscriber is uh, if you're... Uh, <clears throat> now, where have I got it? I've just misplaced it's everything in $35 Good concession. On Good on you, Margot. And $75 if you're a wage person. There you go. And if you're a group uh, and you want to do it, $150. Wonderful. Okay, so um, this morning what we're going to do is that uh, anyone who rings in this morning and uh, becomes a new subscriber, uh, uh, they are going to go into the drawer for one of four books that I've got here, and I'll mention what the books are in a minute. So I've actually got four books uh, to try and tempt uh, some of our listeners to, uh, if you've never become a, a subscriber before, today is the day to do it so that you can go into the draw for one of these books. Now, the books I've got, uh, the first one is The Weed Forager's Handbook, which is a guide to edible and medicinal weeds in Australia. It's by Adam Grubb and uh, Annie raster Rowland. The second one, which is a CSIRO publication, is Good Gardens with Less Water, and this is by Kevin Handrick. Uh, Kevin is a wonderful writer. Um, he's particularly uh, uh knowledgeable on uh, soils, um, but just a really excellent uh, reference book. The third one is, uh, again, a CSIRO publication, uh, and this one has been written by our good friend Simon Rickard, and this is the new 
ornamental garden. So lots and lots of information in, uh, in that, all about uh, ornamentals, the varieties, the climate, their needs, uh, uh, how to design a garden with them. And the final one is uh, a real a hardcover edition of How to Prune, Techniques and Tips for Every Plant and Season by John Cushney. And this also includes lots and lots of wonderful colour photos um, just showing exactly where to prune, uh, the different uh, types of uh, trees, roses. It, it's very, very comprehensive. You can learn all about topiary and espalier. Um, so if you really feel like you, you need a good reference for pruning uh, techniques and tips, uh, that is also an excellent book. So as I say, uh, for listeners who, um, who are going to uh, subscribe to becoming a listener uh, this morning or uh, if you're going to renew your subscription this morning too, you can also go into the drawer. What you need to do is give us a call on 94190155, have a chat to Susie and she'll take down your details. Then at 9 o'clock um, or just after 9 o'clock, we are going to draw four lucky winners uh, out, of, uh, out of the list of people who've rung in this morning and subscribed to receive one of these uh, four books. And uh, these will be posted out to you totally free of charge. So uh, that's uh, something to just uh, tempt you with to think about becoming um, a listener uh, sponsor and to uh, support not only the gardening show but uh, the station 3CR as a whole because... Um, as uh, I'm sure listeners can imagine, trying to uh, run a radio station, particularly a community radio station, where we don't have uh, paid advertising is uh, really quite a challenge. But uh, we all give of our time totally free of charge, week in, week out. So uh, it uh, would be wonderful if you, our listeners, uh, can help support uh, for the show to keep going. Okay, that number again, uh, 94190155 to go into the draw for one of those books and become uh, a listener sponsor for the next 12 months. All right, uh, Penny, you wanted to talk all things um, edible, but particularly garlic and tomato. Okay, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Sure. Um, partly, partly because I was at the Menian Garlic Festival yesterday, but yep. um, also because I've been having lots of conversations with people around tomatoes. Yep. So there are a lot of people who are having problems with their tomatoes this mm, year. Yes. They're either not setting fruit or the fruit are not ripening. So it is not you. This is what's happened this season yeah. with all these weird seasons that we're having. Um, the, the lack of pollination, there's a bit of a misunderstanding out there that, that perhaps you need bees for tom tomato pollination. Tomatoes usually pollinate themselves. They actually don't need bees. Oh. Um, in fact, the bees, honeybees, can't get into them at all, into the flowers, unless it's, there are a few um, heirloom tomatoes that haven't exerted <coughs> stamen, then honeybees might be able to, to pollinate them. The main bees that if, that are, if you're going to get pollinated um, tomatoes are the, um, are the blue banded bees. Mm. Um, and, and they do it by headbutting the flowers. Yes. 
So, um, which I th- always think is pretty funny. Oh, it's incredible to see <laughs> a video. It's amazing. Yeah, and they're so it. noisy. It's it's they? They're yeah. really, you know when yeah. you've got one, because you, you can hear you it can a mile hear off. It. Um, but it, generally you actually probably don't want them pollinating your tomatoes because if you've got a few different sorts growing, they're probably cross-pollinating. Yes, right. And oh, you wow. end up with all these weird tomatoes. Okay. But that's not that important if, unless you want to save the seed to grow them next year and want to grow the same tomato. But mostly tomatoes are self-pollinated. Well, um, you learn something every day. Did you know that, 90, Jeremy? Ninety-five percent of them are self-pollinated. Wow! So what? And it's the wind that pollinates them. So it's the movement of the plants. And we've had some really, really still days. And when you have days like that, they just don't get pollinated. We've had some incredible windy days. But in between them, it's been quite still. Okay. Um, we've and had a bit of everything, really. Yeah, I know. We? But you, yeah, so. What you need to do in the morning is go out and shake your tomatoes. So just go out and give them a shake. Look, like, folks, this is another reason you should subscribe today because you learn so much from the people here. So that I, is fantastic. I have a nerdy mate who actually takes his electric toothbrush out and vibrates his tomatoes <laughs> with his electric toothbrush. But it's also part of the reason why when tomatoes are grown in greenhouses yeah. that they have a string running through them. So that's not just for climbing it. It's because you can go in and just go whack, whack, whack on the string oh. and it vibrates the tomatoes. Because in a greenhouse, they're not getting any wind at all. Of course. So Extraordinary. that's what, what pollinates them. So that's why your tomatoes haven't been pollinated. The reason they're not ripening is it's been, apart from those few stinking hot days that we've yeah. had, it's actually been colder than usual. It has. Yes. Cool. So it's just you, some we're cool not getting yes. the, the warmth. Yeah. To, um, so if we get some hot days coming up, which we may still easily do for late February into March, um, you will suddenly get all these tomatoes ripening because mm. they need yeah. the warm, they need the mid twenties temperatures um, to to do the proper ripening. It's absolutely curious, isn't it? Our, our uh, well, flowers that normally are flowering in December are flowering, uh, are finished flowering by the end of December, are still flowering in February. Yep. Mm. Yeah. 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 So oh. that's, that's, yeah. All, all the, re- it's all climate. So don't yeah. feel that you've done the wrong thing by mm. your tomatoes. But we've had also on our tomatoes a lot that look ripe, they're ripening up. Yep. And you pick them and the insides are eaten out. Okay. By something. So I don't know what that is. I've never had it before. Yes. Well, I hope it's not fruit flies. Yeah, I've been are, looking there are for fruit flies maggots in, in your yes. areas, but usually you see the maggots inside. Yeah, it's it. more likely to be one of the one of the moth caterpillars, so the Helicoviptera moths. <laughs> oh, that one. And they okay. they actually tunnel in and and hollow the whole thing out. That's it. That's but exactly you, what's happening. Usually you would find the caterpillar or the grub in there, but not always. Sometimes they've just buggered. Well, Taken yes. off. Yes. Um, so yes. Um, so that, there's not an awful lot that you can do about no. that, except to bag your tomatoes. So yeah. if you're having problems with birds eating them, with fruit fly, with caterpillars eating them, get Net. fine fabric bags over the top of them. Um, and that's what we're all going to have to do in mm. the future. So, um, and I might also just mention that I don't know that if everyone has seen, but um, and this came out doing um, something for Organic Gardener that the Victorian government has changed the legis- has brought in legislation about netting um, netting fruit trees and yes. vegetables in Victoria and you are not allowed to use um, any net that's got a hole bigger than 5 millimetres by 5 millimetres so that is a, about the size of a pencil so if you can poke a pencil through the hole you should not be using that net 
and this is to protect wildlife, everything yeah. from lizards to bats to birds to the whole range. But the thing that has not been made clear in the publicity about this is that it's not that easy to get hold of those nets. So this does not actually come into play until February, uh, until September 21. So you've got a good 18 months to, if you've got nets, to find smaller hold nets and replace them. And they're actually proposing to fine people who don't use the right nets. Good heavens. So, uh, look, I actually think this is a really good thing yeah. because we are really profligate with nets all over the place. Um, and I just think we need to be much more careful about protecting our wildlife. We're losing it by the bucket load in forest fires and um, we should not be doing things in our gardens that are killing killing animals. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, and I think it is giving us all plenty of time to do something about mm. it. Um, and if you buy, for instance, fruit fly nets, um, they won't let fruit fly through, so they're not going to let, they'll be, you know, the holes will be small enough. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I wasn't actually going to talk about that, but it just no, reminded, no, I'm, reminded I'm, I'm, I'm me of it. I'm glad you brought it up. Because I, as part of it, I actually mm. went and looked at the legislation and discovered yep. that, that it's not due to actually be enforced. Well, that was the bit I didn't know because until I've, September. Heard it, I've heard it yep. mentioned. Yep. Um, but and people have written about it in, in papers. Yes. Um, and, yeah, so, the, yeah, anyway, so the okay. net makers, and you, you obviously feel strongly about this. Well, um, that's intriguing. I'm just sitting here listening. Now, I'll bet you've explained one or two of the details, which I wasn't aware mm. of. Uh, but of course, in our area, there's, there's uh, fruit growing, uh, mass fruit growing. There's acres and acres of netting. Yep. And, uh, put that all together and there's, there's, uh, you know, thousands of hectares of, of netting which is mm. capable of uh, doing some mischief mm. so uh, it's, it's it's intriguing it's just just one of a lot of changes which i think we're going to have to sign up to over the next well the next little while yeah yes. um, yep. yeah that's uh, the uh, uh, some of the um, well we're, we're, we're thinking of birds i suppose largely in this case mm. um but um but uh, you know the the uh, the news of the drop in insect population is just extraordinary. Um, my wife and I were uh, visiting Warburton uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, and there was a gentleman um, taking photographs of something or other in the reeds on the edge of the Yarra River, where it looks like a mountain stream. Mm. It looks glorious. And uh, anyway, finished his photographs, walked past us, and I asked him what he was doing, and he turned out to be. Uh, President of the Field Naturalist Society, I think it was, mm. and um, taking photographs of water fleas, or at least trying to take photographs of water fleas. Okay. And I said, well, how are they going? He said, oh, well, like everything, it's been a drop of about 95% in the <gasps> insect population. Goodness. 95%? Yeah, and he, uh, he'd been taking photographs um, in the stretch of river over 25 years, and, 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 and he'd been checking populations of various insects. That's true right across the board on average. Not, not true for every insects some of them are doing very nicely but on average it's a mess so yeah, we, we really have to think about what yeah. we're doing yeah yeah and look it's why we need to garden organically yes. uh, we need to not make our first reaction to poison things yeah and we need to make sure that you know if we are using things that they're not getting into waterways because mm. they're killing the the fish and the um, you know frogs but the the you know the stuff we're doing to our soil as well and the microorganisms in the soil and uh, 
the thing that really upsets me is that in the in the forests that have burnt, that everyone talks about the koalas and the kangaroos and the, but it's all the tiny things that That's we've right. lost that really mm. upset me. And half of them haven't even been identified yet. Mm. Yeah. That's how badly we know our mm. our forests. We, it's such a new, I mean, area as far I mean as far as people identifying mm. that all the tiny things that are there. Yeah, and, absolutely and right. I, yeah, I, I, I think this has just been a colossal extinction event mm. and we'll, we'll never know what we lost. No. You know, they, 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 all the headlines are about the uh, Dunnart in, in Kangaroo Island, well, uh, but, but that, that was a pretty obvious little beastie, but the, when you get down to the insects, uh, you're right. The, the, mm. the, the, the vast, vast majority have never been identified and named. And they do important things in our yeah. environment. And well, it's only just recently we've discovered all this stuff about the micro-rhizomal connection yes. between trees yep. and plants. And, and, you know, it's... The fungi. Yeah, yeah, yeah the fungi yeah. underneath, that yep. network that connects, yep. you know. And, and, um, and the sheer heat release by one of these intense fires yeah. is so, so devastating. Yeah. And mm. then, then it comes back, well, how natural are these fires? And, and then what on earth do we do about it? Yeah. So that's a... <laughs> Long and you know, meaty subject, really. Any, anyone who goes for a drive anywhere now, I, can you remember as kids you'd drive somewhere and you'd be having to scrape all the insects yeah. off your window? That's right. No, oh, yeah. it, no it doesn't happen no, anymore. It mm. doesn't. Um, because the insects aren't there. Yeah. So, mm. Sorry. Take it to the press, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, so oh. we, we just have to really seriously stake, take yeah. stock. Yeah, and, we really and, do. And, and, yeah, from this from this summer onwards. Absolutely. Okay, we'll go to our first caller and we have uh, James online. Good morning, James. Oh, good morning. Yes, go ahead. I've got a question about a euphorbia, but um, I rang up earlier this week and subscribed to 3CR. Oh, great. Thank you so much. We'll pop you in the drawer, James. Oh, no, don't worry. I haven't got a garden, but... um, Ah. (laughs) But when I subscribed, they asked me to nominate a show. Right. Oh, good on you. Well, thank you so I, I much. Up, um, are you there? Yes, yep. we're listening. Hello. Hello. Yes, James. Are you there? Can you hear us? James. I think. Hello. Hello, James. Can you hear us? Oh, I can't hear you at all. Yeah. Oh. My, my I'll phone radio on. does um, this from time to time. I rang up. <laughs> turn, the, turn the radio off, James. Uh, yeah, I can, I can hear you now on the radio. Yeah, turn the radio off. He can't hear us, but we can hear him. Right. If I turn the radio off, I can't hear anything. Okay, well, go ahead anyway. Just ask, ask, your ask your question. Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. That's because you had the radio on. <laughs> okay. Okay, so go ahead, James. I, I rang up late last year. I think it was your second last show. Yes. And I I spoke to a fellow, might have been Peter, and I said to him, um, I don't have a garden and I'm not even interested in gardening, but I always loved his show. Right. He said he'd pass that on to you. Uh, I'm not sure if I got that message, but anyway, go ahead. Oh, it was only last November or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're we do get a lot of We do get a lot of calls in here, James. That's right. Um, well, anyway... Uh, since then, I've got this uh, euphorbia siam hybrid in a pot. Right. And it's um, got little yellow flowers, and I just wondered what's the best way to care for it. 
Okay, um, euphorbias are pretty tough plants, sure, so yeah. the thing I would not be doing is overwatering it. I mean, you don't you don't want to dry it out completely, but don't overwater it because that will probably kill it before anything else will. Um, right, Jeremy, you you grow a lot of euphorbias. What would your um, th- that's the problem really? There's so many. It's a huge huge yeah. family. Um, this one this one has got little yellow flowers and. Yeah. The lady in the nursery said her mother's has been flowering non-stop for 10 years. Yeah. It's about oh, 40 centimetres, 35 centimetres yeah. tall in a pot. What colour is the foliage? Um, green, um, what would you call it? Light olive green, I suppose. Okay. And the, the flowers are small and yellow. Yes. They, they had a few. There was some with big red flowers. and But she said, no, no, this one flowers non-stop. Mm. Okay, well, sunny, sunny position. <laughs> but, I don't so get much sun. That's, that's the thing. I get about three or, at the moment, about five hours in the morning. Okay, well, make sure it gets that morning sun. So yes, that, that's yes, probably yes. enough for it. Um, yeah, and it. at some point, you may you you will want to trim it back. Um, yes. The flower heads. The flower heads back, and, and then yeah. it will it will produce more flowers. And you oh, might okay. want to then put it into a bigger pot with some fresh potting mix to sustain it. Oh, okay. But uh, apart from I, that... I put, a, I put it in a bigger pot than what they gave me Yeah. because the wind blew it over and <laughs> everything got knocked out. Right, fair enough. So I, put a, I repotted it in a, a nice big pot. Yeah, a, a bigger pot. A heavy pot. Yep. And uh, it, it looks really healthy. I've also grown a little side bit. Okay, well, that means it's sort of bushing out, which is great. I think it's really yes. exciting for someone who's never wanted to garden that you've got a plant that you care about. This is oh, how gardening garden. starts. I have gardened in the past. I've done permaculture gardening. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Where, where I live, there's just no garden. Yeah. Yep. Yep. ledge. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so if it, okay. If, it, if it does finish flowering or if it's starting to look really scraggly, then yeah. take off all those flower spikes Right, right. Uh, and it uh, that'll be ready for to start flowering again, and and, and feed it a couple of times a year. Yeah, so like don't overfeed them. Seaweed thing a couple of times a year. Sea, seaweed's only a, a tonic, um, a tonic um, with some right. with some trace elements. Um, a couple of times a year, I'd give it a, a, a either either a handful of organic pellets or a bit of blood and bone or hmm. um, any any or, or a full liquid fertilizer. My neighbour's got some stuff called plant food in a plastic bottle, would it? Uh, look, it probably won't be organic, but yeah, if you dilute that and uh, water it on a couple of times a year, that should be fine. Just follow the directions on the Just follow the directions, yep. Okay. Oh, well, that's, that's all I need to know. Thank you very much. And have fun. <laughs> Enjoy I it. I will. You too, thanks. Good on you, James. Bye. Bye. He's got the right plant to start gardening with. <laughs> yes, yes. They're, Very they're, easy care. They're, they're, they're pretty safe. Although, having said that, uh, the, the one thing about euphorbias, of course, is when you're pruning them, you the really sap. should be wearing gloves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and eye, eye you get protection. Because milky sap. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, don't, don't, don't touch your eyes if you get the yeah. sap on your skin. Yeah. Well, try not to get this. Well, really, you should be wearing gloves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I found, too, they're a bit like a lavender, that every five years or so that you need to renew them because they wear out. Yeah. You know, but normally they'll self so you'll find little one mm. little seedlings. Yep, fair enough. Okay. Uh 
Penny, you you mentioned you went to the garlic festival. Oh, okay, garlic. How was it? I didn't yeah, talk to, to get back to that. <laughs> it was a it was a really nice day, except that it rained the whole day. It was right. misty rain. Yes. But you know, and it's quite tricky selling books in misty rain. It is. <laughs> but it was still. It was you know we had enough cover so that it was okay. Um, uh, and and thousands of people turned up. Great. So it was wonderful. There yes. were lots of people, lots of people talking about garlic and. Um, uh, uh, there's a still a real curiosity about garlic and people wanting to grow garlic and loving garlic and commenting on how your homegrown garlic tastes so different to the supermarket it book garlic does. And, um, and how how good it is to mm. grow, to grow your own um, and uh, there, there are some really good growers there. The growers are still doing the same thing of changing the names of the garlic, so it's really hard to keep track of what they're growing. <laughs> um, and, but, um, you know, I had growers coming up to me and saying, look, I've got this and this is what I've been calling it because that's what I was sold it as. Um, and it's clearly not what they was, it was sold as. So right. one, one lovely guy who's actually growing up near you, mm-hmm. um, who had one that was, it was called a, it, they called it a Cre, it was a something Creole. I can't remember what, exactly what Creole. And it's clearly not a Creole group garlic. It's a turban garlic. But it's a beautiful garlic. Okay. But, um, so he's going to have to change the name. And, yes. And because you, one of the things that we were talking about is that if you want garlic, your own garlic all year round, you need to grow some different garlics. So mm. I, I must have said this, you know, 20 times during the day. But um, the turban garlics are beautiful and lovely big cloves, easy to peel. Um, they're relatively early planting garlics. So you can be, get, you a, don't plant your garlic in March really late March but there is a bit of a thing going around that everyone should be planting in March don't plant it's too hot in March although it might not be this year but um, plant at the beginning of April um, so turbans should go in at the beginning of April um, the but if you're growing turban it only stores for four or five months hmm. so it means you've only got your homegrown garlic for the four or five months after you harvest it yes, and, right. and then it goes it needs to be replanted um, but if you grow a Creole or a silver skin garlic, if they're in the Creole group or the silver skin group, they will store for 12 months or longer. So if you grow like just those two different types of garlic, you will be able to have your own garlic for 12 months of the year. But you eat the turbans first and then you go move on to the Creoles. Mm-hmm. And the Creoles are the ones that have the, the hot spicy flavours. Oh. So I love the Creoles. But the bulbs are never as big and the cloves are a bit harder to peel. So you often don't find it commercially grown um, so except by the boutique growers yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah so just those those sort of things if you now's the time to be looking for your garlic to plant yes um, and if you if you want your own garlic for 12 months of the year don't just buy turbans diversify yes exactly mm. or the one that Stephen talks about all the time which is rose Javar and that's a silver skin that will also store for 12 months right so and it doesn't grow scapes Right, which means you don't, you can't harvest your scapes and use them in your gourmet cooking in spring. <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know one of the other things, and and I guess the other thing a lot of <coughs> people were talking about was the bulbils. So most all the garlics that grow scapes grow bulbils in the flower head, not flowers. Particularly turban garlics mm-hmm. um, grow bulbils of, that are just sort of a bit smaller than pea size, not quite as small as rice size, so sort of in between 
you can actually eat them. So it, you can. There was one one seller who had actually thought of the idea of frying them in olive oil and then bagging them up, and you can just eat them like a snack. Out oh, of okay. The, like peanuts. Out of, like peanuts. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, just just gorgeous. They were really yummy. Okay. Um, but you do need to know that if you let your scapes grow, not so much on the turbans, but on virtually everything else, your bulbs will be smaller. So if you're growing scapes uh-huh. to produce bulbils, you sacrifice a bit of bulb size. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The plants yeah, cause putting all putting the energy in. into yeah. producing the scape. Yeah. So, uh, so you, can, you can either grow great big bulbs, harvest your scapes and use your scapes when they're tender before they get too big, or you can let some of them grow and get the bulbils as well and yep. eat the bulbils, or you can use the bulbils to grow new plants. <laughs> Okay. So those were the sort of conversations that we were having that seemed to what people were interested in. So I just thought I'd mention those things. Yeah. No, that's really great. And what I've what I wanted to mention to you when I saw you uh, the next time, which is today, um, that uh, the uh, Tasmanian dwarf tomatoes. Yeah. I have been so impressed with the plants, the vigor of the plants. Yeah. They've got such thick, sturdy that's what, stems. That's what dwarf tomatoes are, is that they have, they're also called tree tomatoes because they basically form a trunk. Yes. Um, so they don't get really tall, they're, they're stumpy and, and the, it's, it's not, um, that it, they're not Tasmanian. I, I need to correct oh, you on okay. that. They're, it's a well, New, New South from... Wales project. Yep. And I actually grew those ones from seed myself. Okay. So mm. from from the dwarf tomato yep. project um, yep. from Petrina Nusky Small in New South Wales. Okay. Okay. So Tasmanian growers, um, the botanic gardens, have grown them on other years. But this last year, it was all about the orange tomatoes. So it was me. I'm growing okay. the dwarf tomatoes and yep. the orange tomatoes. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyone can buy seed of these tomatoes by just getting on Petrina Nusky Small's website and buying some of the seed. But I think they're extraordinary tomatoes. And they are. What's the flavour like, Pan? Well, I don't know yet. There's oh, about there's a, masses there's of about, green tomatoes. There's about none 60 right different cultivars. Oh, and my they gosh. vary in colour and name and... Yeah, and they're and size. What and are they mostly, like? Cherry tomatoes. No, they're or? mostly big tomatoes. Oh, wow! Yeah, so the original dwarf tomato that was produced at the beginning of the 1900s was a metre-tall growing plant with a thick trunk that had really boring tomatoes on it. Yeah. So the Dwarf Tomato Project in the US and Australia, they started crossing this original dwarf tomato with all the heirloom tomatoes. And they're producing these amazing things that have names like kookaburra cackle and um, Mar- Mallee red and a whole range of extraordinary tomatoes. And um, they Tasmanian purple is one of the ones that I've been growing and it has more tomatoes on it than any plant I've ever seen. And flavour? I haven't. They're not ripe yet. Not ripe. But I have eaten them, and they are beautiful mm. flavours. Yeah. And I was talking to yesterday to one of the guys who has been involved in the project, and he showed me this photo of one that he has been breeding that hasn't been released yet, because it's a whole team of volunteers who are doing this all in different parts of Australia. Wow. But Petrina's running it. It's a bright green when ripe tomato, but it has all these bright red stripes going through internally, so not on the outside, but actually internally. So when you cut it, you have this amazing sort of blood red... Like a kaleidoscope. Yeah, yeah, it's extraordinary. So some of them are are like that. Some of them have more than one colour in them. Some of them are just beautiful. Anyway, if you get on the website, which is just um, dwarftomatoproject.net.au, 
you can have a look at some of those. Great. But I agree, they're fabulous plants. Oh, I've been so impressed so far. And as I say, I've got loads of fruit. Yeah. But, of course, So which one one did you get? Oh, a variety. variety. Okay, you took what was was left. And they were these tiny little scraggly things. I've got each row labelled and I'm just waiting, (laughs) (laughs) waiting. (laughs) But, yeah, they do. They just sort of take off. Um, They have real vigour. Yeah. So what was Petrina's surname again? Nusky Small, N-U-S-K-E hyphen S-M-A-L-L. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm, I've been so impressed. So I just Good. had to, had to yeah, pass great. that on to I'm you. I'm pleased to hear because I've, I've been really pleased with them yes. too. Yeah, no, they're phenomenal. Them. And this is the first time I've sort of given them. I've tried growing them in bags and I found the bags were maybe a little bit small, Yep. the 45-litre bags, but okay. I've now got them in a garden bed this year and they're mm. doing yep. really, really well. Yep. Okay, just uh, a reminder to listeners, we are having our annual uh, listener subscriber drive today. Any, uh, any listeners that, uh, that uh, ring in and become a listener sponsor, a subscriber to the show this morning will go into the draw for one of four gardening books that I have um, and we'll draw that out just after 9 o'clock this morning at the end of the show. And uh, the four lucky people will uh, will get one of these books uh, posted out to them free of charge. But to uh, to support uh, the gardening show and uh, and the, the station. station in general, uh, the best way you can help is to uh, become uh, a listener subscriber. Uh, so if you'd like to give us a call right now on 94190155, as I say, uh, new or, or renewing subscribers will go into the draw for one of these uh, four books this morning. And uh, you're also really, really uh, supporting the show and the station. All right, we'll go to our next caller. And we have uh, Jan, who's out in Lilydale. Good morning, Jan. Morning, people. Um, yeah, what's happened to all the bees? I've got no bees in the garden. I've got a kumquat that's flowering its head off and is usually covered in, in bees. And you can count the, the number of bees, uh, you know, on the fingers of one hand. Where they're, are they all gone? They're all at my place. Oh, are they? Well, <laughs> no. can you send some up this way, please? I'll have no marmalade. <laughs> Uh, look, it, I, it, the whole bee thing is really tricky um, because the, sometimes the really damp, wet weather um, inhibits the bees from getting out quite as much. But um, it, you know, maybe maybe someone near you is using a lot of pesticide, and it's not just oh, honeybees well, yeah. that pollinate flowers. There's all sorts Blame of the other. For that. Yeah, yeah, there's all sorts of other you know insects that will pollinate your flowers. So you should be seeing lots of insects in your garden, and if you're not then someone is using pesticides, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, thanks. I can't do anything about that, can I? Well, no, probably not. not. You can try complaining to your council and ask them to do steam weeding or other things instead. Um, Mm. You know, it's, yeah, I I don't know. What what about you, Jeremy? Do you have a a bee Uh, solution? um, No, not really. Um, You're you're surrounded by neighbours. Yes, yes, exactly. Keep talking about it. I'm just trying to... I think we're, we're seeing a few bees, but you're, you're absolutely right. There's not as m- many, many as there should be. Mm. Um, uh, Someone said it was the smoke. 
Yeah, well, that could be part of it too. It's hard to know because this is the conditions we haven't experienced before. But the other uh, thing you can do is to plant lots more flowers so that mm. you've got flowers all year round. Because if you've well, got I flowers... Do. Yeah, well, I mean... You, as Council I said, doesn't like my garden at all. It's... Uh, it's not what they like. They like little boring, bland little things. They okay. don't like my weedy Okay, it sounds all. just like my garden. It sounds like <laughs> a perfect bee haven. So. Yes. Well, it is, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that some people don't realise is that with a lot of the Australian native bees, the solitary bees, mm. they actually need a bit of open um, dirt to nest yes. in. Mm. So well, with our, with our like very that. mulched gardens... Sometimes we forget the native bees because mm. so you need to have a, some wild, which sounds as if you have. You need to have yes, some I wild have. places where your native bees can burrow into the ground, into the dirt and nest. Wow. Too. Mm. Oh well, thank you. Sorry, yeah. I don't have a quick yeah. solution. But keep gardening because they'll come eventually, hopefully. Yes. And well, you've got to have stuff yes, there. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, bye. Bye. Yes. Unfortunately, no quick solutions. No, one, but, but if every um, gardener, you know, we've, we've done amazing things with solar panels on roofs and I just keep saying if every gardener really cares about the environment and grows to um, provide haven for wildlife, whether it's tiny or big, um, then we have a chance of caring for our, for our native insects and yes. small mammals and exactly. lizards and, you know, everything. Yes. Um, we should be thinking about not just about ourselves and how beautiful our gardens are, mm. but, but all the other things that live in it. And the first thing is not to use pesticides. Yep. Yep. Um, AB has rung in on the outside line just saying uh, that they're... Uh, the honeybees are actually competing with native insects for food at the moment because of after the fires, so yep. much of the... Uh, the food sources have gone for the moment and uh, so there's a real competition out there for yep. um, all of our native insects. So, uh, yep. again, we've just got to, we've just got to hope that, that our forests regenerate. Yep. Keep planting, keep planting keep in planting. your own gardens exactly. and plant things that are, you know, going to feed our native insects. And so. because, because we've actually <coughs> had this <coughs> rainfall, mm. our soil is moist enough and warm enough, even though mm. we've had a lot of cool days, that we, we normally stop planting over yep. really hot yes. summers, but we yep. can go on planting at the moment. Yep. I'd be almost treating it like it's autumn time and just, yep. just go on planting. Yep. Yep. Jeremy, you agree? Uh, I, I, yep, you're absolutely right. We're, we've been planting straight through up until a few days ago, and normally I wouldn't dare, but no. that, no, this season right. has just been so relaxed. But it's, you know, it's our little pocket, of course, and... and uh, Yes, uh, how this ties in with what's been happening in the rest of the country and the rest of Victoria is it's a much trickier question. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. Okay, on a happier subject, you brought in a couple of plants, Jeremy. Yeah, Let's just, have a chat just, about just, them. Just for fun. Yeah, yeah why the, not? Native hibiscus, which... I, which uh, can somebody help me with the pronunciation of this thing? <laughs> I, <laughs> I say allegani. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's more or less, yes. I, I, just purely out of nostalgia because... Um, uh, where I was uh, farming Western Australia, north of Perth, uh, it used to grow on the road verge, okay. the native hibiscus, and it. Um, I, I remember driving past a clump of these um, south of Mora, growing underneath salmon gums, which is an arid zone eucalypt, mm. and, and a, a eucalypt very good at extracting every drop of moisture out of the soil, mm. and and this clump of hibiscus uh, was actually growing within the root zone of these uh, salmon gums. 
flowering the Hartley for months every year, drove past uh, 25 years later and the very same plants were still Usually. there. Oh, my gosh. And, and this, is an area, this is an area that routinely goes six months of the summer without a drop of moisture. Mm. Uh, this is an incredible plant and uh, hard to believe that something looking so soft and you know, something, it looks like something out of a... Uh, well-watered garden yep. uh, and growing two metres high, hundreds of flowers, even on... And, and they're big flowers. Yeah, and big, and they're a yeah beautiful big hibiscus colour. flowers. Yeah. Oh, yes, the colour that yeah. bluey... And can I just beautiful. say that there are some um, cultivars of this that yeah. are white and pink, and mm. I find them totally insipid. Same, beside the blue yeah. one. Beside yeah. the original the plant, yeah, the, I just wouldn't yeah. bother with them. Yes. I, I think the original is gorgeous, and I have one in my garden that gives me great delight all yes. the time. Just the, yeah. the, the, some of the the, the uh, native plants are <laughs> that's one of the the, the more yeah. extraordinary, and the other is the heliotrope, uh, the, the cherry pie. This is a selective form, but again, it's a it's a a good tough plant for. I, I, I like it in a sunny corner where you don't really notice it, but near a path, so as you're walking past it and it's flowering on a on the right day, the, the the perfume just spreads out across the path, and it's always a bit of a surprise for people, and they look yeah. around trying to figure out what it is. And the bees love them too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And it's called it's called cherry pie because that's what it smells like. It's a, well, it's I've never a, had a cherry, a cherry pie, pie, but I'll well, take your word that, for it's it. That, it's, it's that amazing yeah. scent. It's and good, a good filler sort of plant in between yeah. other things. Yes, yeah, in itself not terribly exciting, but yeah. the perfume yeah. is it's one of the loveliest perfumes Mine's in the garden. Mine's covered in flowers at the moment, and it looks mm, fabulous. That's right. So, so yeah, we can't grow those up our way. They just get hit yeah, by frost. People yeah, do try the alliogyne. They try that, and it will last, depending on the winter, yeah. But, you know, a seasonal thing. If you really want them, buy them in spring and enjoy them for this, yeah. that year. Yeah. That's it. yeah. No, it's, it's interesting what you're saying. Uh, uh, no, the area that I'm thinking of in WA as well uh, does receive frosts, not not heavy frosts, just light yeah. frosts. And um, so we can deal with a light yeah. frost. Mm. Well, we get heavy frosts and we get a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, the plants get worn out. That's, mm. that's what really does it for them. Mm. Yeah. Okay, we'll go to our next caller, and we have Fermi in Reesdale. Good morning, Fermi. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, Margot. Good morning, Fermi. <laughs> Good morning, Penny, and uh, who's there? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, um, I'm phoning up because the Alpine Garden Society has a special event next Saturday. Okay. Uh, it's uh, We don't often have uh, open to the public our, our, general, our um, meetings being a secret society of alpine growers. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, next weekend, uh, we, uh, next Saturday uh, morning, we have a buy, swap and sell. Right. And, of course, you can expect from uh, some of our growers, uh, some of our members grow some very interesting things. And um, we'll uh, have a number of um, uh, rare or unusual bulbs for sale. Some of the... Um, uh, daffodils grown by um, uh, one of the breeders up in uh, uh, Canberra, uh, Lawrence Trevanian. We've got a, quite a few of his, his, well, a few of his uh, daffodils, little miniature um, hoop petticoats and that sort of thing. And um, it's uh, open to the public uh, from 11 a.m. It's at the Olinda Community Hall, which is next to the Olinda Pool, 
So we're hoping for a really cold February day, so <laughs> not too many people in the car park. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's from 11 a.m. Now, um, we do have a, a members-only workshop afterwards, but others are welcome to stay. It's a BYO lunch, and um, uh, there's going to be uh, one of our members is going to be demonstrating how to propagate bulbs by chipping and twin scaling. Okay. So this is how the um, the big commercial bulb companies get bulbs from you know a handful of bulbs into the thousands right. over a few years. Right. So you sacrifice flowers for about two or three years, but then instead of just having one bulb that might have reproduced twice or, or three times its number, you actually can have hundreds. Goodness. So this is it's it sort of uh, seems like a bit of magic, but. Uh, it's uh, something that uh, our member Angie is going to explain to us. There's going to be an and explosion of bulbs amongst your members, Fermi. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, yeah, it's well known in daffodil circles. So the daffodil, Victorian Daffodil Society did a demonstration a while ago as well. So, okay. But it's it's uh, you've got to have sterile conditions because you imagine chopping up a bulb, you're leaving it very vulnerable oh, to yes. um, infections and uh, bacteria and stuff like that. So yes, you have to yes. do things like. Uh, you know, wear gloves and uh, slice up the bulbs uh, with a sterile um, implement and then uh, store it in sterile medium and uh, hope that uh, you, uh, the, the plants, uh, the little pieces of bulb produce uh, offspring before the uh, rot sets in. Mm. Uh, but anyway, that, that's the workshop itself isn't open to the public, but um, uh, public who are there can at least watch and see what they're doing. Right. Okay. okay, fantastic. So starting at 11 o'clock, Olinda starting Community at 11 Hall. At the Olinda Community Hall, uh, free entry, yes. and um, but uh, there won't be any FPOS, so Pete, please bring cash. cash yes. And if possible, bring boxes and bags for yourself. We're yep, not going sure. to be supplying. We're a plastic-free sort of thing. Yep. Well, good, just, good. Nobody collects plastic bags anymore to no. um, bag up plants. No, true. <laughs> and it's a good Better thing, too. Better for the too. environment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. thanks for that, Fermi. Okay, and um, as for the bees, we have, a, we have a lot of bees in this area. I think there's quite a few apiarists because we never seem to have any shortage no. of bees, mm. especially when the Chinese elm is in flower. You can actually hear the tree buzzing. Yeah. Because yep. of the... the, the, the the amount of and you look at those flowers and you think how in the world do they even know that it's in flower it's such a tiny little thing but it must produce pollen or nectar for the bees because they're they're on it uh, you know in, uh, in swarms it's yeah. secret bees business <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> thanks okay yeah. thanks a lot for me okay bye I could point out that that's within walking distance of Cloud Hill, that community centre. Absolutely. And you couldn't make a day of it. You could come along and um, and um, bang on the door of the community centre at 11 o'clock and, uh, and enjoy everything that's happening there and then wander down the hill. And it's only about a minute and a half, uh, and it's a lovely footpath down the hill to, to Cloud Hill. And Joost uh, Barker is doing a lecture at Cloud Hill um, that afternoon. Okay. So this is next Saturday. Yes. Um, now, in theory, he sold uh, all the tickets are sold, but they decided to 
<laughs> they, they, they decided to uh, have a waiting list uh, and, uh, and and maybe expand the, uh, the seating a little bit because it's been so popular. He okay. he will be lecturing between two and four o'clock on on soil ecology. And uh, and then of course uh, if you want to hang around and and uh, have a picnic at the at hand, then you can join in the Evergreen Ensemble uh, that evening. Oh, so so it's it's right. life and it's all all walking distance. Yes, fantastic. fantastic. That's <laughs> absolutely perfect. <laughs> okay, I might remind listeners there's only a couple of minutes to go before we'll have to uh, close that drawer on the uh, books for uh, for listeners who either wish to become a listener sponsor or if you're going to uh, renew your subscription. So if you'd like to be part of uh, that draw for one of these four books, do give us a call now on 94190155 because we're going to have to, uh, have to go to the draw in a few minutes' time. So 94190155 if you'd like to become a listener sponsor. $35 for pensioners or concessions um, and $75 for waged. Uh, and it's a wonderful way of supporting the, the show and the station, uh, you can have a say, a vote in, uh, in, in what goes on around the station. You'll receive uh, regular issues of the Cram Guide to hear what's happening with all the various uh, programs and other news around the station. So that number, 94190155. I think the problem is that all the gardening show listeners are already subscribers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm giving them every opportunity, Penny. (laughs) Jeremy, there's one more plant we haven't mentioned. The... uh, so, oh, the, uh, We've done this one. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. we did this one too. Oh, that's the oh, cherry right. pie. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it's very handsome, isn't it? Oh yes, it is. Uh, the um, uh, to be precise, I, I use a heliotrope just just near our veggie garden on a bank, sort of tucked in, just stuck in the corner, and it's a. Um, and it's you, 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 it's meant to be invisible, <laughs> so the perfume comes as as, as, a, as a surprise as people walk through this beautiful. rather ornamental gate, yeah. and, yeah. and, an and then wow, what is that? And then they stop and yeah. look around. Yeah, I, no, yeah where I grow it in my garden, it's actually in quite a shady position, and it's covered in flowers okay. this year. So it and, it, and it is really, it's not on any of my drip systems or anything, okay. so it only that's gets watered when I think of it. That's that's really interesting. Ours is actually in half sun, so it's morning sun, afternoon mm. shade. And I was thinking most probably it needed to be a more sun. More sun. But no. No, I mine, mine gets no morning sun. It gets a bit of diffuse afternoon sun. Wow. And that's it. So quite adaptable as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's really good to know. Um, Penny, we should also talk about the, um, the uh, autumn edition <laughs> yes. of Organic Gardener. magazine. Yes, well, it's a... Oh, every, we're, we're, as the listeners know, we're doing eight issues a year and I'm still finding keeping it a bit hard. Really it's keeping me busier than I thought it would. But um, I, and, and I think what's happening in the world is impacting on what we're writing as well. Um, it's really hard to know how to respond to things like the fire. And the next issue has got a really good article from Tim Entwistle um, about 
recovering from fire and botanic gardens and how important they are and all that sort of thing. Yep, so that's very uh, timely. Worth, worth looking at that yep. one. But in this one, we've actually got a really good article on wicking beds. So we've looked at in, at in depth, and that's one of the things that I'm turning to now um, for my veggies. Um, I'm going to turn my um, raised beds into mm. wicking beds. I love wicking beds. I yeah. love the whole concept, yep. and they work so well if they're they, set up they, properly. Indeed. And, but one of the things that I found, um, and I, I, it's the, Justin Russell's actually written most of the article, but I wrote about these particular um, cells that I have used to create my wicking beds, and, and they're recycled plastic they're called the company that does them is Water Ups. So if anyone wants to get online and have a look at them, um, and I was able to use them to adapt my existing beds and actually dig into the soil and, and put them in. Okay. Um, they they have a platform across the top and they have four hollow legs, and that is they're the wicks. The, yes. So that all you have to do is lay. The, the structure of these across the base of the bed. You put the lining in first, you put these water ups in, you fill them with perlite, um, and then you put the soil on top. Really easy. So you're not carting a whole heap of gravel. So if you're putting in wicking beds for um, a big area, that mm. uses an awful lot of gravel. It can be really hard physical work. Whereas if you use these water ups, um, you just use these cells and they also come with the downpipe and with the overflow yes, and, the, yes, yes. and you can now buy the um, food. If you're doing it in, in um, making wicking beds for growing food in, you should be using food grade polymer lining, not just any pond lining. Um, so they'll also tell you where you can where you can get that from, or okay. you can buy it through them. Okay. But it's a it's a different way of looking at wicking beds. So you can still put do the gravel ones, and they're often good for very small areas. But I just think these these water ups are fantastic, and they're looking at the um, Angus down who's now, now down in Tassie. Angus Stewart is um, an edible garden, huge edible garden area in the middle of Hobart. Um, he's using these wicking up cells because he found that the other types of wicking beds just weren't working because they needed too much maintenance, whereas okay. once you've put these ones in, they really don't need any maintenance except for topping up from time to time. Okay. So, um, so that was that's really interesting. I've also written about olives, which are plants that we should all be growing and preserving our own olives, and I've got a, a recipe there which actually is... Um, um, one of Lena Siciliano's All recipes, right. but it's adapted because I you, you do them in much smaller amounts. So yes, yes. and I didn't put in all the ingredients. I just used the lemon slices and the um, sprigs of of um, oregano. Right. Um, and um, we've also looked at green roofs and walls because that's one of the things that we can do to help ameliorate climate. Is Absolutely. in our cities. Yes to be growing much more greenery because every time you get a huge development in it all it seems that all the street trees get cut down and you end up with with um we're losing our urban forests because the trees go every time um there's development um there's an article on onions and Karen's got a lovely article on babaco so okay. if people were wondering what the hell you were talking about when you were talking about her garden and babaco yep um you can find out all about it um, okay. in the organic gardener magazine Excellent. Have, look for it in the in the shops. It's got onions on the front cover, and it's a great it's a great photo. It's a nice too. photo. There's isn't it? always there's always a beautiful photo on the cover of these magazines. We have so many discussions about what's going on the front cover. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so important, and it's funny how it affects sales. The one that had the chook on the front cover, yes. that beautiful silver wine dot, yes, sold better than any other magazine in the last twelve months. <laughs> 
So there you go. You mean you need something cute and cuddly? Well, yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> and these onions are gorgeous, but they're probably you wouldn't rate them as being cute and cuddly. Yeah, yeah. So yes. Oh, that's that that that's really funny. So, that's but we have you know, and and there was one photo that was part of the. Well, I think the last one. I, I forget which ones. Uh, um, anyway, it had zucchini on the front cover, and it's a beautiful photo with a blue background and small zucchinis with bright yellow flowers. Right. But that was not as popular because people are not so enthused about zucchinis. Yes, yes. I think it's a bit sad. Okay. Really? Okay, <laughs> yes, I can see your point. All right. Um, I've just been handed the list of um, of people who phoned in this, this morning uh, to subscribe. Thank you very much to uh, all those people. That's wonderful. Welcome to the the fold. Uh, do appreciate you uh, supporting uh, the gardening show and the station. Uh, now we have the hard task of having to choose a few numbers. So, um, Penny, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to ask you to choose a number between one and seven, please. Um, seven. Seven. You're going. Seven's well, always a well, lucky number. <laughs> eight's, eight's my favourite number, so that was the closest. Well, it, it that was the closest <laughs> I could get. <laughs> okay, so uh, Nikki Coates, uh, you are one of the lucky winners. So uh, one of those books will be posted out to you. And thank you for. Uh, I see you're a new subscriber, so thank you so, so much. Can, can I just make the point that I didn't see the list, and she is no relation to my husband. Oh, good. I'm whose glad surname to hear that. is also Coates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think she is anyway. <laughs> okay, Jeremy, you have to choose a number between one and six. One and six. Um, four. Four. Okay, let me see. And uh, number four, Jill Bentley. Uh, Jill, you're a renewal. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. So you are another lucky winner. And uh, one of those books will be posted out to you. Uh, okay. Do you want me Penny? to choose another one? I'm yes, going for I one, one this Number time one. because I think they should. They were the most. They were first the most in, the they, exactly they were the most enthusiastic. Okay. Yes. Well, we have uh, Kathleen Trenfield. So Kathleen, and you're another new subscriber. Thank you so much, and you've actually uh, you've actually added um, an extra donation. So I can't thank you enough for that. And one of these books will definitely be. Uh, on its way out to you. Jeremy, that means we just have uh, between uh, two and... Three, two, three, two, three, and five. Two, well. three, five, and uh, six. I'm gladly stunned by Penny's logic. I'll go for two. Number two. <laughs> okay. Um, good. Uh, so number two is uh, a very regular listener to the show, Lee Clinch. Lee, thank you so much, uh, and you're another renewal as well. Uh, you've always been a great supporter of the show, so uh, one of those books will be coming out to you as well. So thank you to all those people who've rung in. Welcome to the, the uh, 3CR uh, gardening family of uh, yeah. supporting us by being listener sponsors. That is wonderful, wonderful. And uh, those books, I will send them off uh, First thing, Monday morning, nice and promptly, so look for them in the mail. Uh, a big thank you. We've only got, uh, gosh, a few minutes left. Um, Jeremy, first of all, remind listeners of the couple of events still to come up at Cloud Hill, please. 
this coming Saturday, Saturday the 22nd, so this, uh, well, next weekend, we have the Evergreen Ensemble with uh, Irish music, uh, the music of Ireland from the manor houses and the uh, country fairs uh, from two, three hundred years ago, played by the Evergreen Ensemble. So this will be something rather special. So this is a twilight event. Um, we've got a, quite a good audience coming so far, but plenty of room for more. And um, so the best thing is to go to our website, have a look at the information on the website and the tickets are via, uh, available via Try Booking. Two weeks after that, so three weeks' time, we have Ozak putting on Twelfth Night and uh, that'll be on the Saturday and Sunday, the long weekend in March. And so um, uh, the Ozak have been coming for yonks to Cloud Hill and, and uh, so... Um, but this is the first time they've actually come in March, so it'll be on much earlier. Okay. So running from around oh, about, uh, most probably about half past five through to about half past seven, eight o'clock or so. So a little, yep. a little bit earlier. Well, it's getting darker. Yes, absolutely. But um, that it's a chance to put together a party, bring along a picnic, fold up chairs, a nice warm jacket. Although next Saturday. The uh, the uh, forecast for next Saturday looks absolutely spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Rain for most of the week, and then it's going to fine up on Saturday. So Perfect. we breathe a sigh of relief when we saw that forecast last oh. night. Hooray! <laughs> and to listen to traditional Irish music in fabulous, a garden, setting. yeah, and, and mm. play by play by really serious uh, um, musicians, uh, musicians yes. and uh, with the uh, Irish bagpipes, a, a singer. Uh, whose name is something I can't remember, but uh, th- th- this will be a, a very exciting event, and and uh, anyone interested in Irish music, well, this is a uh, this is a pretty classy version of Irish music. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. And Penny, um, your events very quickly. Okay, so on the 22nd of February, I'm talking about herbs for cooking, medicine, and pleasure as part of the Eltham Sustainability Festival from 10:30 till 12 at the Eltham Library. And um, the other two, other three, uh, sorry, um, on the 2nd of March, uh, no, on the 22nd of March, I'm talking to the Westernport Garden Club at the Balnowring Hall, also on herbs for cooking, medicine and pleasure, then the Camberwell Morning Garden Club on the 13th of March on how to grow and harvest garlic. And on the 22nd of March, I'm running an in-depth workshop at Heronswood on garlic. So everything you ever want to know about garlic between 10 and 12. Um, but they'll all be up on my Facebook page. Excellent. So if you just check that out, you'll be able to see them. So just type in Penny Woodward and it'll all come up. It should. Yes. yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Although I haven't posted them all yet. They'll come up over the next couple of two or three weeks. Yes, yeah. right. Okay, we do have a quick caller. Uh, we'll try and take very, very quickly. Um, good morning. I'm not sure who I'm talking to. Hello. Uh, Wendy. Wendy. Oh, uh, Wendy. Yes. yes. G'day there. Uh, just a very quick question. Um, I'm out in the eastern suburbs, Vermont South. Uh, my sister and I are looking for somewhere to take uh, gardening pots, uh, planting pots, uh, other than putting them in our recycling bins with council. Okay, um, I know that some nurseries recycle them. I, d- I can't no, we, give yeah, you one in yeah, your ones, area. Yeah, I think the, the ones we know of don't do it anymore. Okay. Right. Um, um, in that case, I, I don't know. I, I reuse yeah, my yeah. pots over and over and over again, 
Maybe oh, it, we do too, but we've just got too many. You've got too many, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I, and I do put them into my recycling if, I, if there's some yeah. that I can't use. Um, um, plant multi, I, I hesitate to suggest this because this is actually a trade uh, business. Uh, not, not, uh, uh, it's not open to the retail public, but plant multi do have skips uh, and they do accept uh, pots. Plant, uh, uh, plant, plant multi. Multi. Oh, okay. So it's it's right. uh, just along from the basin. So it's just near us, down the hill from us, actually. But you could ring them. Oh. Plant multi. Plant multi. But it's try a try style. ringing them and just uh, make sure that that's okay because it is. Yeah. It's not actually open to the public, uh, but they do have skips beside their car park for plastic pots. Oh, okay. Yep. So we're talking plant and then multi. Yes, yeah, so exactly. Anyway, so just, yeah, so yeah. just, just look it up online. I will, I will. And if they say they can't help, then I think we'll... It sounds like we can put them in our recycling bin. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thank you, help. No yeah, worries. The, Bye. The, the pots are very much re- the pots are very much recyclable. Yeah, indeed. yes, they are. Yeah, they for are. reuse, all yeah. I need yeah. to do is to be watched. Yeah. Okay, we've run out of time for yet another week. A big thank you to uh, to the team on air, and also uh, to Susie, who's been handling all the calls. We'll be back uh, seven thirty next Sunday morning. Till then, bye for now.